Hey, welcome everybody. Time for another episode of Rising Tide Changemakers, where we share the stories of unique individuals who bring big ideas to life, advance knowledge, build companies, and put meaningful change in motion. All that and more with your host today, Greg Weiss. Hey, Greg. Hey, Paul. Thanks a lot. I'm super excited about today's interview with Karen Koch, who's the Managing Director of University Lab Partners, the premier independent nonprofit wet lab med tech incubator of the Beale Family Foundation that's located here in Irvine. She's also a member of Beale Applied Innovations Inclusive Entrepreneurship Task Force, and she's an experienced leader in public service uh, with a track record in local government administration, business development, social work, and all kinds of public service. So just absolutely thrilled. Oh, and one last thing. She's also a a co-founder herself. She started a company. She's taken them uh, all the way to exit, successful exit, successful sales. So we have a lot to talk about today. Welcome, Karen. Tell us about you. Oh, my gosh. It's so great to be here, Greg. Thanks for having me. Um, Hi. Yes, Karen Cook, Managing Director at ULP. We call ourselves ULP University Lab Partners, Wet Lab Incubator. And Managing director means um, we help 32 companies along in their startup journey, especially in the life science space. Wow. Okay. So, what is uh, what do you mean by help? What do you what does you do specifically in the University Lab Partners? So, at ULP, we really have three roles. Number one, um, providing the facilities and infrastructures to help startups um, get started right. Um, and secondly, we serve as a landing ground for life science thought leadership and events and networking opportunities. So innovators can um, integrate with one another because it's really lonely at the top, right? When you're a co-founder or a founder um, or a CEO. And lastly, when our companies are creating great jobs, we have to be an active participant in developing that talent pipeline through a lot of the workforce development work that we do, um, such as like high school outreach and college training programs. Neat. Okay, so uh, the space and facilities and infrastructure you provide has to be really unique to serve life sciences and high-tech companies. What would someone see if they walked in your doors? Definitely. Well, first of all, the facility is co-located with UCI, which is really, really cool in this innovation building. We have over $3 million worth of scientific equipment on site, and that's what really makes us unique, right? We have specialized water systems, HVAC systems, right? Compressed air running through um, the walls, um, you know, lead lined walls in certain instances. So, um, you know, life science startups and med tech startups take a unique environment in order to accelerate and launch. You can't do that in your garage, right? You're working with blood and (laughs) pathogens and dangerous material. And all of that is a very heavily regulated space. So you really need to have our facilities or, you know, a facility like ours to um, to accelerate like your drug discovery projects or therapeutics and whatnot. This is fantastic uh, resource for Orange County. But why did it take us so long to get to this? And why is Orange County such a unique place to locate university lab partners as opposed to, say, San Diego or San Francisco? which have many of these spaces. Gosh, you know, I think the wet lab incubator space in San, it really started, you know, um, in, you know, like in San Diego and the Bay Area, lots of life science incubators there. But um, LA is now a booming market as well. And um, now there was nothing in Orange County when we started. And the reason why we started was um, the Beale Family Foundation, which we are a project of. 
um, just started seeing life science innovators coming out of UC Irvine, especially leaving the region, right? Because they couldn't find space. I mean, it's, just, it's a tragedy. And they said, you know what? We want to keep these innovators here in our own backyard, creating innovation here, creating innovation jobs, high paying, sustainable wage living jobs. So here we are. <laughs> and uh. This has been talked about for years. And, um, and here we are. We opened um, December 2019 and our two year anniversary is coming up. 34 companies in two years is really awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. You know, I can uh, personally attest that what you said is true. We ended up locating, my co-founder and I ended up locating debut biotechnology in San Diego because we couldn't find room up here in Orange County and, and find appropriate space for it. Absolutely, and I, we're just filling a really small piece of that need right now. I mean, we are looking for other developers to join us in this kind of journey to build Orange County into that next life science hub because we have what it takes. We have the talent, we have the resources, right? We have, um, it, 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 the talent is really what's important. Right. right. We have to make sure that we retain our talent for this region. That's neat. And are you also priming the pump to bring more talent into the area? Because Most that's definitely. the other challenge, right? Most definitely. So, you know, as we know, the life science and how medical innovation happens is almost a secret behind, almost like I envision it like a Wizard of Oz, right? There's a curtain. Like nobody really knows how medical innovation happens. Did you know, you know, in high school, did you know how it happens? No, you don't. So we're doing a tremendous amount of high school outreach to really let students know that this career pathway could be an option for you. High paying jobs, I mean, life science careers average $90,000 a year. I mean, um, as a technician, you probably can make $25 with the AA degree an hour. So um, why make 17, why make 20 when you can do 25 with an AA degree, right? So we need to bring more high school students. So we, we are actively um, creating programs. We have a program called Medical Innovation Research and Entrepreneurship. Um, it's, we have 140 students in that program, this cohort, we run three cohorts a year and we just want to bring more talent and, you know, just acknowledgement and awareness to this career pathway. That sounds like a great program because it could also help us diversify our workforce, Absolutely. right? Bring in a more diverse people who are scrappy and have something to prove. Absolutely. That's and what we want to see in entrepreneurship. Yes. Especially with all the diversity and equity inclusion talks right now, and it's at the forefront. In the life science sector, we need to do better, and we recognize that. So um, as ULP, we are really leading the charge in this area, working with Orange County Department of Education and the ROPs, which are the Regional Occupational Programs for Career Technical Training. Um, that is just instrumental to work with our high schools and our community colleges and our local UCI, right, to, to really develop that talent pipeline here. That sounds great. I'd like to see uh, more people wanting to start companies, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's a huge untapped need for, uh, for that kind of outreach. Along those lines, you and I are serving on this um, Inclusive Entrepreneurship Task Force. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? What are the objectives? What, are you, what have you been doing for, as part of that? Gosh, it's really just simple. We're trying to bring more diversity, right, in entrepreneurship. And um, it's so great that uh, UCI has created this task force, recognized the need and the problem, right, that we're trying to address. And it really takes a village. It's going to take a village to get this work done. Um, because entrepreneurship, it's also a mindset, right? And it's also you have to discover it. You have to explore it. It's also a mindset. And there's also an education piece in how to better your skills. So um, I truly enjoy the task force. I think the work we're doing, it's going to be, it's challenging work. 
Um, it's going to take a long time, but um, it's changing the mindset and how we approach entrepreneurship and recruiting and bringing awareness um, for students at an earlier age, right, to pursue entrepreneurship. This uh, is a perfect opportunity for, for me to ask about how you got your own entrepreneurship mindset. <laughs> how, how young were you when you started thinking about starting companies? Gosh, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, right? So um, my parents um, immigrated out um, of Taiwan and of Chinese American descent, immigrated out of Taiwan when they're in their 20s, moved to Nicaragua. They wow. descended there for 10 years, had their own business there doing import export. And when the war broke down on um, down there, they had to escape. So they landed in um, L.A. and uh, they made a new life there. Since um, my mom actually worked at a restaurant, everybody everybody thought my dad was Hispanic because he was dark and spoke Spanish because he lived in Nicaragua <laughs> for 10 years. Spoke with his Nicaraguan yes, accent. Right? Yes, right? So he was a dishwasher. Mm -hmm. and But he had a career technical education in electrical engineering. So um, my mom ended up, long story short, my mom ended up buying the restaurant she was working at. My dad ended up working for, um, you know, a gentleman um, doing CNC machinery. And, oh, wow. So um, manufacturing yes. of uh, metal parts. Yes. And then actually started his own company and um, in aerospace manufacturing, had huge contracts with Boeing, Lockheed, JPL. I mean, wow. really came from nothing and, um, you know, and started a life here Um and uh, that's where I got my entrepreneurial mindset. I think my parents had always, we worked at our parents' businesses from a super young age, right? Like peeling potatoes in the back at the restaurant. Then um, the best story is my mom had two phone lines in her restaurant. Mm -hmm. And my dad was a you know solo, sole proprietor, right? And like he was in CNC manufacturing and service at that time prior to him actually manufacturing himself. But my mom had a line one, which was the restaurant's name, which was Chinese Chopsticks, and I'll never forget it. <laughs> <laughs> line one was Chinese Chopsticks for to-go and delivery. And when you had to answer line two, you had to say perfect CNC, because that was my dad's business. So I would always, always answer the phones, and there were times I would get mixed up which line it was, and my mom would be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but wow. yeah, so you had to, I think I was maybe six or seven at that time. Wow, what yeah. a great immigrant story. <laughs> and uh, so this imbued in you a desire to uh, to start companies as a way of creating change in society. Is yes. that how you describe it? Yes, most definitely. But I think, you know, you were just, you know, we grew up in that environment where we were just always entrepreneurial, you know, like doing garage sales, trying to make money. So you got, you know, your next bike components, right? Like materials for your next skateboarding ramp, right? That you needed from, you know, um, Home Depot. <laughs> so you're, you're shopping in the house to find stuff that you can then sell to your neighbors? Yes. <laughs> Parents must have loved this. And provide services like mowing lawns, right? Mm -hmm. Washing cars, like, you know, whatever you could do at that time. <laughs> that's uh, That sounds incredibly valuable, though. It's, it's uh, And now when you're helping start these companies, right? Now as you're sort of the incubator of these companies, how does what you learned then apply to what you talk to talk to companies and entrepreneurs about? Yeah, so when I am um, so right out of college, I decided I wanted to start my own business. I took all of that knowledge um, from my own business to, um, you know, the assets of working with the SBA, which is the SBDC. Mm -hmm. um, really, this is a small business yes, development small agency. Business, absolutely, mm -hmm. and um, they have. There's just tons of resources out there for startups that um, most of them are not aware of, right? So what I always like to tell my startups is, um, you know, it's always 
your answer is always one connection away. So I don't have anybody, I don't know it, but you know what? I know somebody that I know, <laughs> or they know somebody that can help you. So, I see. So you're also performing a networking role and a matchmaker service. Absolutely. Kind of they call me a Yenta, so which is like <laughs> a power connector. Yes. And really, I don't know anything, but I know somebody that knows that's, a that's lot of That's an incredibly important role, right? Without that, those hubs uh, to knit together networks, it's very hard especially in a sparsely populated uh, area like Orange County, right? Where we don't have a huge number of startups. That's yes. incredibly valuable. When you graduated from college, didn't you start a company, a franchise? Yes, so um, right out of college, I decided um, I was really interested in cosmetics um, because I got my cosmetology degree when I was going to college. Mm -hmm. And I was doing special effects makeup for you know, crazy shows like CSI. Oh, so really heavy, heavy makeup. Then. <laughs> yeah, like special effects uh -huh. makeup, bald cap, blood, you know, scars. And then I did beauty makeup too because, you know, weddings actually pay the bills. Yes. Like those other kind of projects don't really pay the bills. <laughs> I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I always wonder why weddings are so expensive. <laughs> now I know. It's because, the makeup. <laughs> yes, the bride's got to look good. <laughs> um, so I decided to start my own Merle Norman Cosmetics franchise. And I built it from the ground up. It was a brand new location. So all the way from construction to the exit, right? Um, and, and you're about 24 when you're doing this? I'm 22. Wow. Yeah. So I got tons of grants. I was a minority business owner mm -hmm. at that time, woman. Um, so I think the project was like $150,000 back then for the construction and the you know to license the name and all that. Um, so I got about 60% of the money from just for free. And then the rest I took a loan, right? And yeah, I, I flipped that in about five years. I was able to take that um, franchise to the top 10 in the nation um, out remarkable. of 2,100 studios. Wow. Yeah. It's that scrappiness that I really love, right? Yeah, that you have to pivot, right? Think mm -hmm. about how you're going to do things different. I mean, I was my anchor, I was right outside of Nordstrom. So if you think about it, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm competing with this huge behemoth of a brand, right? And the cosmetic counter. And they're like, I, all my friends were like, you shouldn't low key ride out of Nordstrom. You can't out compete them. I go, no, that's where the fish are. I need to fish where the fish are. I need to be right outside. That was gutsy and really <laughs> insightful. Wow. Were there moments though that you were worried that you wouldn't make it? Oh yeah. So for the first two years, I worked two jobs because I wanted to pay my loan off fast. <laughs> um, so I didn't take a salary, right? So all the money that I made, I put back into the business to pay the loan. Oh, wow. And so. So, so are you living out of uh, Chinese <laughs> so, chopsticks? <laughs> uh, no, so I bartended actually at night. Oh. So, yeah, I bartended and I made crazy money bartending. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I actually paid off my loan within two years and That's throughout great. the whole time. Yeah. That's great. And so then uh, at the end of this, then you sell the, the, the so, franchise. Yeah. Funny thing is, I. I um, there was a lady that shopped on my store and she was mm -hmm. the, the wife to this really, really renowned Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. She really loved my store. What was her name? I can't disclose okay, okay, okay. her sorry, name. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, I because there's a couple of, there's a really famous person and, okay, never mind. Anyway, yeah, we'll, very famous. Yes. Um, and she knocked on my door and, and mm -hmm. I never told anybody I was the owner. Okay. Because mm -hmm. we were, I was a corporation. So, um, and my mom was my... <laughs> I'm my other officer because you can't have a corporation yourself. So it was, yeah, but I was the owner. I never told anybody I was the owner. I was just a manager of the store. And um, she's like, I need to talk to the owner. And then I was like, um, you know, she, she's not here, blah, blah, blah. And then one day she came to my store. She goes, 
guess what? And I go, what? She goes, I know you're the owner. I called corporate and they told me you're the owner. I was like, busted. <laughs> and then she made me an offer. I couldn't refuse. I That's mean, she, awesome. she said, I want your store. I love the mm-hmm. stuff you're doing for cancer patients. We are doing makeup. and That's great. Yeah, for cancer patients. And so important. Yeah, so she bought my store. And I was like, okay, I'm out. I have two more years on this lease. And so how did you make the transition then to being an owner and sole proprietor to now wanting to help other small companies and, you know, spread education? Gosh, in between that, I was um, I worked for, uh, you know, L'Oreal as one of their VPs. Um, they recruited me right away when I got out of, of course, that's a good record. <laughs> travel really got to me. I mm-hmm. wanted to start a family. And, you know, they all say, look at your boss and your boss's boss. And if you that's where you want to be, you should stay with that company. So my boss's boss had been divorced five times. My boss had been divorced three times. Oh, no. And it's because of the rigorous travel as a VP in sales, mm-hmm. right? So I said, you know, this really isn't for me. I just, I up and quit my job. I, I one like, I just said, you know, I got it. I'm not doing this anymore. And um, my mom was like, yeah, you're making the right decision. Like, you know, she totally supported me. And then I um, ended up just sitting at home for a little bit and then decided I had a psychology degree. And mm-hmm. I decided that I was going to become a social worker. I just applied for the job. I needed to do something. And I got hired. The county actually hired me. <laughs> wow. So well, then... I'm not surprised they hired you. But boy, what a change of pace, right? Super duper different. Go from running a business to now you're reporting to a very bureaucratic hierarchy. Yes. So I was a social worker and I loved my job, but it was case by case by case. Mm-hmm. I, I was in charge of as a senior social worker promoted and then court services. So 33 kids were under my watch at all times, right? In Orange County, high risk kids. And I, I decided in my mind, I said, you know what? I learned that I love helping people. I love helping these children. But if I could change policy at the very local level, then I can help more kids, right? right. Like instead of just my 33. Right. So that's why I got into economic development and got my master's in public administration and oh. landed my job as the Orange County you know, um, economic development manager. It was super awesome. And that's where I met the Beale family. And that's how I got here today. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so uh, recreate the scene for us. So you're working in this, this uh, government office. And uh, presumably Ken Beale must have walked in. <laughs> he called. I got a message on my desk. Uh-huh. And they're did, did like, Did you know who that was? No. I okay. was like, Okay. Because, you know, they're very, you know, very humble. Very down to earth. Very, yes. yes. And not, not much is on them. You know, you can't really find much articles or uh, media on them. So I just called him back and I said, Hey, Ken, this is Karen from the <laughs> county. Um, you know, he, he told me about this incubator project. And I said, yeah, and you know what? I board a supervisor doesn't want to give you any money, but I can find you some money. I know the federal government has programs for That's organizations like yours. And um, his project went through. We got him $3 million for this project from the Economic Development Administration Department of Commerce. Then um, I was actually leaving the county for the um, for a different position with a nonprofit. At that time, he goes, I didn't know you were leaving. I go, yeah, I'm going to be going, you know, on the next venture. I've been here 11 years. And he's like, you know, why don't you come work for me? Let's let's come to my office this afternoon. I'm like, whoa, okay, All right. I'm there. I mean, when Kim Bill tells you to be somewhere after you're there. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I just uh, and it was I was so passionate about this project. I was really nervous because I had never been in the life science space. I'm a, you know, double E dropout from UCI, right, because I was so intimidated with engineering back in the 90s, you know, I'm in the right place. I'm so glad you are, and I'm so glad we have you at uh, at UCI. Uh, 
helping our entrepreneurs I'm start back companies. At UCI. I know it's great. <laughs> well, um, I have a couple questions that I want to close with. First, just tell us what motivates you every day. Oh my gosh, my kids, my two girls. Um, but just getting up and working out every morning um, mm -hmm. totally motivates me. My my husband, uh, God bless his, he's just I I mean my family is just my motivator. My parents. And how old I are see, your children? Um, I have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, two oh, girls. Wow. So that must keep you very busy. Yes. So you work out, uh, you have this. How do you keep a track of everything? You have 34 companies. <laughs> Google Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to remember that one. Um, and then last question. A lot of them. <laughs> a lot of colors. <laughs> Love it. Where can our listeners learn more about your work or get a hold of you? Oh my gosh. So, um, University Lab Partners, third floor at the 5270 building. Stop by. We're open door. Um, we love giving tours. Um, you can also um, email us at info at universitylabpartners.org. But yeah, definitely reach out. We'd love to uh, show you a little piece of our heaven here. Well, thanks for that really important work. And thanks a lot for coming on to our show today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. I want to thank the listeners for listening to Rising Tide Ch Changemakers. And a reminder, if you like our show, please leave us a review and share with your friends. And finally, to close out today, one thing that I'm thinking about is if you want to start making a change, there's no better time than now. Rising Tide Changemakers is a production of UCI Beale Applied Innovation and is recorded here at the OC Talk Radio Studios at The Cove at UCI. This podcast is made possible by associate producer Ethan Perez and producer and sound engineer, yours truly, Paul Roberts. For more information about UCI Beale Applied Innovation, just visit us online at innovation.uci.edu. And as always, any opinions or endorsements expressed on this podcast are those of the host and the guest and do not represent the views of UCI Beale Applied Innovation, the University of California, Irvine, Regents of the University of California, or any other organization associated with this podcast.